we want to welcome everyone here, and we're going to get right into our study for today. And let me just say this, we gather together, we minister the word of the Lord, and I've said this many times, I've posted it many times, not to get people to believe what we believe. Come on. Mm -hmm. And I want that to really be clear. Wow. We don't teach here to get people to believe what we believe. That's just religion, folks. But what we do is teach the word of the Lord to make people think, to inspire them to think, rather than, see, because religion does not teach people to think. Religion wants you to believe it exactly the way they teach it, preach it, minister it. And so my hope with the YouTube and with the live stream that we do here, and with those of you who are in the congregation here, my desire is just to inspire you to think. And when you're inspired to think and you dig in yourself, not just in the Bible, but within your heart, your spirit, then you're going to receive answers that no man can give you. Come on. Amen. Amen. You're going to receive an experience out of those answers that the world can't take it away. We used Amen. to sing a song, the world didn't give it, and the world can't take it away. Amen. And so that's my purpose in ministry. I read a little marquee on the way down here. I think it might have been in Geneva, if I'm not mistaken. It said there, something light, something to the effect. If you don't know your purpose, you're not going to know your end. In other words, if you don't know the very purpose that you were brought here for, if you don't know the purpose of why you're doing what you're doing, then the end result cannot be the way the end result could be if you really understood your purpose. And so that's why I'm declaring my purpose. Now, maybe at one time it was to get people to believe the way I believe, because after all, I believe the right way. How many know there's always the possibility of not believing things the right way? We don't know everything. And as I've said lately, sometimes what we don't know is just as important as what we do know. And sometimes, and since I'm a teacher, I'm very detailed. I like to explain. I'll explain stuff, you know? And you know what? Sometimes you can use so many words that you take away from it. Right. You can lose the revelation and the explanation of it because you're so detailed, you know, in, in your explanation. And I heard someone say some time ago, preach the gospel with the least amount of words that you can. Yeah. Wow. You know, now, if you're a teacher, you know, that, that, that can go a little bit differently. But uh, I try not to use so many words as to confuse the issue. So we want to get into this tonight, and we're going to be in Song of Solomon as we continue on our series of the mind-brain connections. Not sure how much I'll use the chart tonight, but it's there for us to view if we'd like to. But I'm going to review a little bit from the last time, which was installment number 38. Tonight is lesson number 39. But if you recall, and I'm just going to pick up a few things from last week, but we, we looked at chapter 2 last week, and in verse 7, it talked about the daughters, and I shared with you how the, the daughters there refer to the 
emotions of the left side. It refers to the desires of the lower emotions. And we talked about the fact that, you know, his hand, his left hand was under her head, lifting what up? Lifting up the left side, lifting up the emotions that were operating in and of themselves, lifting up the desires and the emotions that were operating apart from the spirit. And then we talked about the fact that those daughters were charged by the rose and the hinds. And remember what I said the rose represent. Now, when we look at another chapter, we're going to see that the rose means something else, uh, although they basically are going to mean both. And what did I say last week about that? The rose represent fish eggs. And I use the example of, you know, you have a chicken and it lays eggs. Where do the eggs come from but from the inside? See, something was on the inside that was birthed on the outside. So these daughters were charged, they were challenged by the rose, by the fish eggs. In other words, they were challenged to raise up the desires of the emotions and not allow the desires of the emotions to operate in and of themselves, but to allow the fish eggs, or in other words, allow something to be birthed from the inside out. And then it says they were charged by the rose and the hinds, and the hinds of the field represent the feminine principle. A hind is what? It's a female deer. And then we talked about the fact that it says, stir not up nor awake my love till he please. In other words, don't try to force this. Don't try to make this happen that we're talking about. It's not going to happen by our own might, mental might, or physical or material power, but it is by my spirit or consciousness, saith the Lord. So we're not trying to make this happen in an external realm. What are we doing? We are simply slipping into the mind of Christ. We're simply exercising the single eye. We're simply involving ourselves in spontaneous and purposeful meditation. And as I said from the keyboard tonight, uh, all of those are kind of similar. They kind of overlap one another. Slipping into the Christ mind, exercising the single eye, spontaneous and purposeful meditation. So in other words, those daughters that were in this lower realm of awareness, living out of the emotions and the desires of the emotions, they were challenged to come up, to raise the left side up, and remember he had his hand, left hand under the left side to lift it up to the right. See, now we do that. He's not gonna do that for us. We must let this mind be in us. That was incredible. We must exercise the single eye when we're challenged by uh, an apparent need or an appearance realm that looms up before us. And then verse eight, it goes on and it says, the voice of my beloved, behold, he cometh leaping upon the mountains, skipping upon the hills. And the voice we found out was the divine nature which comes out of us, is expressed out of us from the higher consciousness. And the leaping and the skipping upon the mountains of the hills denotes energy. In other words, there's a vibrational energy that we experience when the two become one. Again, God gave us the left side. Nothing wrong with the intellect, nothing wrong with the emotions. But when we're operating out of those in and of themselves, you see, we're not experiencing that energy as when the two become one and the energy Amen. comes from the solar plexus and, and goes up and we've talked about all of that. Then in verse nine, it states, my beloved is like a roe or a young heart and we found out that the roe or the young heart is a male deer or a stag. So we have what? We have, back in the, the previous verses, we have 
the rows, they're charged by the rows and by the hinds of the field, and the hinds represent the feminine principle of our being. Now here the rows in verse 9, or the young heart represents the masculine. So what are we saying? We're saying, as we said last week, as we were teaching, the title of the message was the voice of the turtle speaking in our land. And what did the turtle say? The voice of the turtle in us is saying, it takes two. You can't have one without the other. Frank Sinatra song, love and marriage, love and marriage, go together like a horse and carriage. You can't have one without the other. So what we're seeing here in chapter two is if we're going to birth the fish eggs, or if we're going to have a birthing of Christ, the Christ nature from inside of us, from the invisible to the visible, then both sides have got to be involved. Amen. The right hemisphere that represents, symbolizes the Christ mind, and the left hemisphere that represents carnal thinking, one has to be submitted to the other. The wife has to submit it. The wife on the left side have to submit to the husband, the husband of the right side. So we saw this last week, and then also in verse 9, it talked about the wall and the lattice. And I talked about the fact that it says that he's standing behind the wall, looking forth at the windows, showing himself forth or through the lattice. And I took you to Joshua chapter 6, and we talked about the wall. Now, if he is behind our wall, and if he's showing himself through the lattice, what are we dealing with there? Something is being hidden. We're not seeing something face to face. We're still seeing through a glass darkly. And so concerning the Jericho walls in Joshua chapter 6, we found out that they had to march around those walls for six days and put the shut to the eye. They had to be silent, which is a form of meditation and then on the seventh day, it says that they would march around again. And when he would say, shout, then they were allowed to make a sound verbally, or they shouted. And we know the walls came tumbling down. What happened? They then experienced the land flowing with milk and honey. And we talked about the, the energy fields. We talked about the energy coming from the solar plexus again with this. Coming up to the sixth, through what? Through the meditation, and then to the seventh which connects us with the pineal and the pituitary. One is a golden oil that flows. The other is the white milky substance that flows. And we then in our land are experiencing the land of milk and honey. Milk and honey, the land of milk and honey is not heaven, folks. It's not pie in the sky, it's not after you die. It is in the lovely here and now for us to experience. But you see, hope deferred makes the heart sick anytime we put it off into some future time we cut ourselves short and then we're not going to be expecting to experience this so the wall or the lattice has to do with simply interpreting the scriptures literally rather than allegorically and according to second corinthians chapter 3 we found out when our heart turns to the lord in other words when we turn within will no longer see through the glass darkly. Amen. See, and it talks about reading the Old Testament, and it said there that when they there was a veil upon their mind, but when they turned to the Lord, or when they turned within and saw things spiritually, symbolically, allegorically, and parabolically, then they no longer were separated by that seemingly wall. And of course, we talked about the fact that even in the natural, physically, there's the arachnoid, which is a web or a veil. It's known as a web or a veil between the right and the left hemisphere. And I believe, now this is my thought, I don't have anything to back this up, but I believe the arachnoid literally is getting thinner and thinner and thinner as we begin to receive these truths. And then we prepare our 
ourselves to experience the wedding. You know, Revelation, it talks about the bride hath made herself ready. So the consummation of the marriage is what? We're already married. We're not looking to be married. We're already one and always have been. But the consummation of the marriage is when the intercourse takes place from the right to the left. And a conception takes place. And then there's going to be a birthing. Then in verse 10, let me just read verse 10 from last week. My beloved spake and said unto me, Rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away. So this rising up is what? Setting our affection on things above rather than things beneath, according to Colossians 3 and verse 2. And to come away there in the last part of that verse, to come away, we gave the scripture in 2 Corinthians 6, 17, that says, Come out from among them and be ye separate, and touch not the unclean thing. Now, what is the them that we're coming out of? The them is the lower thoughts. Yes, exactly. To come out from among them, the, left, the lower thoughts of the left side, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. Amen. This, verse 11, for lo, the winter's past, the rain is gone, and uh, we talked about the fact that it's a new day, the coldness and deadness and dryness of winter in our experience is gone, and we're experiencing a new day. Then in verse 12, we talked about the voice of the turtle being heard in our land. And we talked about the turtle having a shell at the top and a shell at the bottom. We talked about there's different types of, of turtles. But many people from the east believe that the turtle, the shell, represented heaven. The top shell, which was more rounded, and the bottom shell, which was more flat, represented the earth. And hence, you know, the doctrine through squirrely idea came forth that the earth is flat rather than round. But anyhow, that was their belief. So we found out that the top shell of the turtle is what? It is the right side or it is the masculine principle. The bottom part of the shell of the turtle has to do with the feminine principle. And that's just a little bit, just a little review of what we looked at last week. Again, the title of the message was The Voice of the Turtle in Our Land, which said what? It takes two. You can't have one without the other. Now, yes, they're one. They've always been one. But in our experience, you can't have one without the other. Just as in the natural, it takes male and female to birth children. So spiritually, to birth Christ, it takes the right and it takes the left. It takes the masculine and it takes the feminine. Now, let's get into chapter 3 and get into the message tonight. And, uh, you know, I have a couple of titles for this. I haven't made up my mind which one I want to use. But I'm going to call it the... One of these two, the allegorical reality of the watchmen, and the watchmen were military policemen at this time in this day. Or I might just call it, just to make it a little humorous, I might just call it the allegorical reality of the popo which you are. <laughs> you the popo. You the watchman. There's something on the inside of you that goes to and fro, looking on the inside of you. Before I give it away, let's begin reading here. In chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, notice what it says. By night on my bed, I saw him whom my soul loveth. I saw him, but I found him not. I will rise now and go about the city in the streets, and in the broad ways I will seek him whom my soul loveth, I sought him, but I found him not. Now, the key words here are the broad ways. In other words, if you're looking for him in the broad ways, which means what? If you're looking 
for him in the broad ways of tradition, doctrines of men, and religiosity, you will not find him. Come on. And so she was looking without in an external sense. Yeah. But until she came to realize she needed to turn to the narrow way, and that's what Jesus says in Matthew 7, 14, because straight is the gate, narrow is the way that leads into life, and few there be that find it. But notice when she did not find him, when she looked in the broad ways, when she made the word, you could say, uh, in our vernacular, literal instead of allegorical, when she looked to the ways of religion, when she looked for him on the outside of herself, she did not find him, it says at the end of verse 2. But when she looked within, when she looked in the straight gate and the, and the narrow way, that's when she found him. When she placed her gaze within herself and began to realize that it's all happening within. None of this is happening on the outside. It's all happening on the inside. Yes, it manifests outwardly on the external, but it's happening on the inside. Now, the last part of Matthew 7, 14, if you heard that, says, few be that find it. You be that find it. Why? Because you can't find it in religion. You can sing songs. Hello? You can read your Bible that tells you stuff about God and about you. You can go to services two or three times a week. You can have bumper stickers that say honk if you love Jesus, and then you get mad when people honk. You can have all of that, you see. And you'll not find him only in the narrow way, only in the straight way will he be found. And the narrow way and the straight way is that which is within us. Now, notice there in verse 3, we see something very special here called, as I've already stated, the watchmen. Again, they were military police at this time. The, the, the military police were called the watchmen. But now notice here, once we understand that the watchman is within us, you're the military popo. You're the watchman. You're the popo. You are the one that directs traffic, spiritually speaking, in your life. See, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he or so will his experience be. See, and that's why we're told, slip into the mind of Christ, put on the mind of Christ. Exercise the single life. That's why we're, let this mind be in us in, that is in Christ Jesus. So now look, look what it says in verse 3. The watchmen that go about the city. How many know you're the city? Hello. Found me to whom I said, saw ye him whom my soul loveth. In other words, did you see him whom my soul loves? Now you're asking the watchman within you. You're asking yourself, have I really seen the reality of who I am, who he is as me? Have I really seen that? So the watchman, listen, is our own inner man looking within our own being for our own experience of reality. That's what the watchman is. And you see, the beautiful part of this is that you're seeking all of this is happening within, and you're seeking this within with the help of the watchman which is the consciousness, you see, and bringing you into a greater consciousness that you might experience your beloved. See, Job said it this way. He said, know thyself. He said, my help comes from within. And know thyself. We need to get to know ourselves. And we need to understand that what we're seeking is in ourselves, for ourselves, by ourselves. Wow. 
So in other words, we're seeking our true self. You're looking for you, folks. You're looking for the Christ that you be. You're looking for the light that you are. You're looking for that which he said you were from before the foundations of the world. Now notice there in verse 3, the watchmen that go about the city. Well, we know we're the city. And remember, Jesus said in the book of Luke, he said, when you enter the city, you're going to see a man carrying a, a, a pitcher of water. In other words, city is also consciousness. Because you know what? You are consciousness. You are consciousness. The real you is spirit consciousness. That's why Zechariah said, Zerubbabel, it's not by mental mind, not by physical material power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. Why? Because we are spirits, no doubt of visibility. Therefore, and spirit and consciousness are synonymous. So if we're spirit, then we're consciousness. So when Jesus said, when you enter the city, you're going to see a man carrying a pitcher of water. In other words, you're going to come into a higher consciousness of the word. The water represents the word. Remember the five levels of consciousness that the Greeks had? The earth, and then the water, and then the air, where you take no thought, and then the fire as the spirit is quickened more than you experience that mind of Christ. Now, now, hang on to Psalm of Psalms, and let's look at a few scriptures about the watcher or the watchman. Go to Daniel chapter 4 and verse 13. Daniel chapter 4 and verse 13. And here it uses the word watcher, and it's an experience that Daniel had in Daniel 4 and verse 13. When you enter within, you are going to experience the watchman. You're going to experience consciousness. You're going to come head on or face to face with consciousness. How many know if you didn't have consciousness tonight, your body would just fall down to the ground? And just it'd be DAD dead, dead as a doornail, you see. Because we are spirit and we are consciousness. You know, that's nothing new agey for us to be fearful about. That's not, you know, any metaphysical, you know, Eastern religion or anything. I mean, you can look in the scriptures and you, you can see words like conscience, which is consciousness, and spirit, which is, you know, synonymous with, with consciousness. So here in Daniel 4.13, it says, I saw in the visions of my head. Where? The visions of my head upon my bed. He was probably meditating, you see, in the night season in the dark to get his melatonin to flow a little bit. So I saw in the visions of my head upon my bed, and behold, a watcher and an holy one came down from heaven. Now what's heaven? It's not 50 million light years away, some physical planet. <coughs> heaven is the realm of spirit, including the spirit in us. And so he was having these spiritual visions in his head. Not with his eyes, he wasn't seeing anything externally, but he was seeing something on the inside. He was seeing consciousness. And the experience was, behold, a watcher and an holy one came down from heaven. Meaning what? From the higher realm, it came to the lower realm. What for? To swallow up the lower realm. Amen. In other words, there was a direction and there is a direction that is within every person that when they turn within and go within themselves, they're going to come head on with the watchman. They're going to come head on with the popo that's going to direct your traffic. Yeah. And you're going to experience something here. Now, granted, I'm the one here that is the watchman in the sense that I bring the message. But you know what? I never bring a message. As I said earlier, to get you to believe what I believe. Every jot and every tilt. If you don't believe it the way I believe it, we're 
going to give you the left foot of fellowship, or you just aren't where you ought to be. No, listen, I may be the one that teaches, for the most part, the word here. And of course, we have open palms and people, other people minister as well. But for the most part, in general, I bring the word. But I always turn you to the inside of yourself and say, get it for yourself. I cannot bring you into any experience. I can only inspire you to think and to turn within yourself and begin to begin to experience. Now, let me give you another. 2 Samuel 18, 24. Talking about David here. And then we'll look at one more, and then we'll get back to Song of Solomon chapter 3. But in 2 Samuel chapter 18, verse 24, it says, And David sat between the two gates. Now, what allegorically do the two gates symbolize? The right and the left hemisphere. And then it goes on to say, And the watchman went up to the roof, over the gate, unto the wall, and lifted up his eyes, and looked, and behold, a man running. In other words, we sit between two gates, and the watchman, the popo that we are in us, through us, as us, is what? Going up to, bringing us up to the roof, up to the ceiling, as we talked about in chapter 1, bringing us to a higher consciousness, and as that happens, we see a man running. And it's the man within you coming to you with the revelation of what salvation really is and how that you have always been who you are today from before time ever began. Wow. And so we're being awakened to that so that we can then take that revelation and prepare ourselves as the bride made herself ready. We can prepare ourselves to experience the consummation of this way. Now one more. Isaiah 21 and verse 6. Isaiah 21 and verse 6. Now, we know that Jesus said also in Mark 13, 37, and what I say unto you, I say unto all, watch. But let me say something about watching. He's not talking about an external watching. He's talking about an inward watching. See, there's one on the inside of you watching. There's the popo in there that you are watching, you see. So look what Isaiah 21, 6 says. For thus hath the Lord said unto me, go set a watchman, let him declare what he saith. Now, this is what, go back to Song of Solomon now, chapter 3. This is what this woman was looking for within herself. She said, I am looking for my beloved, who is actually herself. So you see, you, the watchman, the popo, are asking within yourself, where is my beloved? It's like in the book of Genesis where Adam was asked, Adam, where are you? See, I don't think there was some God out here asking him, where are you, Adam, because God didn't know where he was. I think that question came from within Adam. I think it came from within him. What have you done, Adam? Where are you? You better be looking at what you just partook of. You just partook of a duality. You partook of the truth of a knowledge of good and evil. You partook of a legalism. Rather than believing that you are who the Father said you are, when he told you that he made you in his image after his likeness and blessed you and said have dominion, now you all of a sudden think you can do something to be like God when you've always been in his image and after his likeness. See? He should have been contacting the watchman within him. He should have been contacting the popo of his beard and asking for some direction here. But instead, you know, he took from the woman when she offered him to partake you know, of the fruit. And there's a whole kind of, a whole... Connotation and a whole lot of answers that you know you could come up 
with that story. Now, look what she says back in Song of Solomon 3 and verse 4. Her question was, her question to the watchman was, have you seen him? Or the watchman was asking the question, okay, within her. Have you seen him whom my soul loveth? It's, it's both. Her watchman was asking, her watchman was asking the question, and the watchman in her was asking the question. But now look what it goes on to say in verse 4. It was but a little that I passed from them. Mm. Now let me define the little, because I've shared in this series all along from the get-go, that when something looms up before us as far as an appearance around, whether it's sickness or uh, a social problem, a mental problem, a financial problem, whatever it is, when something looms up before us, all we need to do is just stop, even if it's but for a few seconds, turn within so that we don't react, but so that we will respond correctly, which is to respond by not giving it any power. So look, it says, it was but a little, she just asked the question, have you seen my soul? Or who my soul loveth? Have you seen him who my soul loveth? And then it says in verse 4, it was but a little that I passed by them. So it took her a few seconds <laughs> to do what? To turn within, see, to turn within and pass by them. Now, what was the them there? It was the lower thoughts. It was the lower thoughts. See? It was but a little, just a few seconds, that I passed by them, that I passed by the lower thoughts, and guess what? I found him. That's the secret. I found him. See? The watchman led me beyond them, and I found him. Wow. Now look at the rest of verse 4. And I held him and would not let him go. See? I held on to this treasure. Yeah. And actually... As I've already stated, the world didn't give it to you, and the world can't take it away. Amen. You see, once you, listen, I don't care if a church excommunicates you, I don't care if they dispossess you, I don't care what they do, once you've found your beloved on the inside, no one can take that away Come on. from you. Like so no one can take it away from Come on. you. Now, look at the rest of verse 4. I held him and would not let him go until I had brought him. Now we're going to get into some real allegorical stuff. Until I had brought him into my mother's house and into the chamber of her that conceived me. Uh -oh. wow. Now, mother can denote, listen, mother can denote emotions as well as daughters and desires and emotions. But now listen, mother on a higher consciousness, the higher emotions, is when spirit then connects with the emotions or the desires of the emotions. Yeah. Okay? So I brought him, in other words, what this is saying, where it says, I brought him into my mother's house and into the chamber of her that conceived me. What she's saying is, I brought him into my lower emotions and allowed him to raise them up into the higher spirit emotions, where the emotions and the desires and emotions were under the control of the spirit. In other words, the divine mind becomes the ruling ability within my life. So in other words, I am bringing, listen, I am bringing this masculine principle into the feminine principle and where the emotions and the desires of the emotions are operating in and of themselves, no longer are they operating in and of themselves, but they have been lifted up to become spirit emotions and spirit desires. That's what's being said. So we've got to bring this into the left side. We've got to bring this, as it said, to our mother's house and into the chamber, now notice, it doesn't just say mother's house, but also into 
so excited to get him to I brought him, I brought him into the chamber of her that conceived me. In other words, we were conceived by spirit, in spirit, from before time ever began. Now what we are doing is experiencing another conception. And that's what it's talking about where it says, I brought him into the chamber of her that conceived me. Shekinah, spirit, Holy Spirit, conceived us from before time. And now we're bringing that incorruptible seed, that sperma, into the left side, into the chamber, which as I said earlier, that cherubim speak of apprehended ones, and we're all apprehended ones, but it also, cherubim also means to conceive or conception. So I'm bringing this that conceived me from before time into this place over here, causing a conception of the same that conceived me to experience conception over here so I can birth the nature of Christ. Now, I went a long way to say all that, but that's what's happened, and it's all happening within the conception. We were conceived by our mother spirit, Shekinah, from before the foundation. But now we must replicate that conception in the womb of our awareness. In other words, in the chamber or the womb of our conscious, our individual consciousness now. Now, look at verse 5, which is the same that we, and we looked at this last week, because in uh, chapter 2, and it also talked about this in, in verse 7 of the previous chapter. It says the same thing. Look what it says here now in chapter 3 and verse 5. I charge you, O ye daughters of Jerusalem. Sound familiar? Yeah. Had the same thing last week. So in other words, they are being issued a challenge or a charge or a command not to conceive, not to continue living from outer conception, they're being charged not to continue living from the outside. They were charged by what? By the rows and the hinds, by the fish eggs. In other words, they are charged to birth something higher than what they were birthing when they were living on the left side. Yes. See? And also the hinds. What is the hind? The female deer. So I charge you to birth something from the inside over into what? The hind or the female principle. That's what it's saying there. Then it goes on to say, that ye stir not up, nor awake my love till he please. In other words, don't try to make this happen on your own. Come on. Go to the watchman. Yeah. That's so good. It has to happen from within. It's an inside job. No amount of work, toil, and sweat is going to cause the Christ within you to awaken within you yeah. and flow out of you. See, and I know that there's all kind of gimmicks out there. You know, the New Age people have these glasses you can wear to stir up the kundalini. And you can do all these things and put these things on your head. All kind of gimmicks out there. Listen, don't go for them. Don't, don't try to do something on the external to get this energy to flow from the solar plexus, to open the, you know, right hemisphere, or to cause the chrism, the, the colostrum to flow and, and open up all of these avenues that cause you to experience him like you never experienced him before. Don't go for anything external. It's an inside job. It has to be as we turn with it and we wait for that revelation to come. And as that revelation comes and is quickened within us, you see, providing we don't have no wineskin here hanging on to the old awareness of the old religiosity, when it comes from the right side, then, you see, all that comes, all that new wine will be saved and we'll experience it. Now, verse 6. In verse 6, we see some more awesome mystical language here. And verse 6 says, Who is this that cometh?
with all powders of the merchants. Now, the wilderness here, and, and we early on in the series, we, we show the connection between meditation and darkness and so forth. Sometimes darkness is really uh, indicative of meditation. But this wilderness here, who is this that comes out of the wilderness? The wilderness here is meditation. And the pillars here, where it talks about the pillars of smoke, the pillars are simply strength. They're symbols of strength. In other words, they hold you up spiritually. Pillars hold up a foundation. They hold up a building. But this says pillars of smoke. And the pillars of smoke here is associated with fire and spirit. So spirit comes from, or smoke comes from the fire. You really begin smoking. <laughs> You're smoking the peace pipe. You're smoking the peace pipe getting high on the smoke. Yeah. And you know what's happening? What does smoke do? Oh my God. You know, in World War II, they had smoke bombs to yeah. protect the ships so that the enemies couldn't see them. So what this smoke does, the pillars being strength, the pillars of smoke, the smoke has to do with things beginning to rise up within you that cause you to no longer believe what you used to be. You can no longer see or embrace or hold on because of the smoke pillars, because of the smoke. See, smoke speaks generally of traditions and doctrines of men. So who is this that comes out of meditation with the pillars or the strength of smoke that causes them to no longer embrace the things that they used to embrace or focus the things that they used to focus on? Who is this? See, the spirit, your spirit has strengthened you in your time of meditation to where you no longer even see those things that you used to hold to and embrace. That's a smoke screen. Absolutely. Now, so it's saying here in verse 6, who is it that comes out of the wilderness of meditation with the strength of spirit that blinds you to all the false concepts of the lower thoughts of religion and tradition? Out of this wilderness of meditation came that strength that lifted us above all of that false stuff that we used to believe in, setting a smoke bomb on all of that that used to confuse us and bringing us into the flow of the rivers of living water, as Revelation says, that are clear as crystal with no degree of man or religion whatsoever. <laughs> and who is this? Who is this? The question is being asked. Now listen to this, I'm not going to have you turn there, but in Psalm 104, verse 32, it says, He looketh on the earth, and it trembleth, he toucheth the hills, and they smoke. So when he touches your higher consciousness of who you really are, you begin to smoke. And the smoke blinds you from all of that other crap, Christian rules and principles, that you used to hold to. So therefore, the ability, listen, and the power to keep us held up, the pillars, comes out of the meditation, and it simultaneously blocks us from all of the previous stuff we used to believe. Okay. He who comes out of the wilderness like pillars of smoke. Well, that's good. And because that's all a part of experiencing the Christ that we're talking about. That's all a part of experiencing our beloved. That's all a part of the consummation of the marriage. It's all a part of bringing the thoughts of Christ over here to the left side so that the left side squirrely ideas and concepts and just intellect and natural reason can be swallowed up and become spirit. Now, verse 6 goes on to state, perfumed with myrrh and frankincense. Now, 
This is interesting because the myrrh denotes that which is within being experienced externally in your life. The frankincense is the truth that's quickened to you internally. See, and the myrrh is that when you give outward expression to what is true of you inwardly. See, that's the myrrh. The myrrh is the external manifestation or experience. The frankincense is that which is revealed to you on the inside. Mm -hmm. See, the myrrh is the truth affecting the external. The frankincense is the truth affecting the internal part of you. So in other words, who is this? In other words, when you go into meditation, there's going to be a messenger from the watchman within you who will come out of that meditation, bringing you the strength that blinds you to all of the traditions and doctrines of men, all of the false falsities that you can no longer see, and instead, listen, you get myrrh, which is truth on the outside, that came from the frankincense of the truth on the inside. It has to affect both, inside and outside. See, but we have looked for manifestation, not realizing we are the manifestation. We look for all kinds of manifestation. Oh, I've heard people say, what we need now is a revival of manifestation. What we need is a move of God in manifestation. Meeting signs, wonders, miracles, and all of that right. that you see on the outside. Now, this is what we need. That's right. To realize we are the manifestation and to experience this that I'm talking about. To experience the frankincense, that inner revelation, which will then naturally outflow to the and become the myrrh, which is the external expression of it. That's drawn out of your own well. That's physician healing himself. That's what it's talking about. Now, then the last part of verse 6, I'm almost done already. The last part of verse 6 says, with all powders of the merchants. Powders? With all powders. Now, the merchants have to do with the East. The merchants of the East bring the sensations of the inner impulses, and that's what the powders represent, the inner impulses. In other words, all of that that goes on within us where beautiful feelings and and wonderful thoughts and new ideas and, and, and wonderful wonderful concepts come to us. The powders are the mixes to the senses. You put powder on your nose, women do. Why? Because it, you know they feel more secure and more beautiful and blah blah blah. And it, it heightens their senses in the natural and in the external. Well, the powders here have to do basically the same thing as the natural, so in the spiritual. It's all of the sensations on the inside of us that take place from the inside to the outside. Mm -hmm. So what this book of Song of Solomon is conveying to us is that within you and within I is tremendous mystical power. Yes, I said mystical. That out of our meditation will release the strength to raise ourselves above all the fears and the darkness through the pillars of smoke. And the pillars of smoke, listen, go out and they blind us. I want the pillars of smoke. I want to be smoking because if I'm a smoking, not literally, but spiritually, if I'm spiritually smoking, then I am causing a smoke that blinds me to all of this on the left side Amen. that is not of the Father. Amen. Now, verse 7, verse 7, I love this, verse 7. Behold his bed, which is Solomon's. Now, Solomon's name, as we all know, means peace. <coughs> You lie down in inner peace. Mm -hmm. Even in the natural, when a man and a woman are having intimate relationships, when the woman is relaxed, it's more peaceful. See? <laughs> you have intercourse with the bridegroom, listen, in inner peace. That's his bed. Remember?
build the house of God. Right. Because Solomon means peace. And notice here, this takes place in his bed. His bed. His bed within us. It's a bed of peace. See, listen, it's next to impossible to build a temple if a person is in great war and turmoil. That's true. Mm -hmm. But when you're in peace. That's it. When you're in peace. Right. See, there's times that I need you to be lifting me up. Come on. And there's times that, you know why? Because I'm in war and conflict. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I can't go into this meditation the way I could. Come on. If I wasn't in this great war and conflict. That's good. So you see, there's times I need you to lift me up, and yes. there's times you need me to lift you up. That's right. Because when you're in conflict, you can't build the house. Come yeah. on. That's why every joint is needed in the body of Christ. Every joint supplies. We need every one. There's no big eyes and little use. We need one another in the body of Christ. In fact, have you ever noticed the scripture that says in one of the first John, one of the little John books, as he is, so are we in this world? It doesn't say as I am or as he is, so am I. It says as he is, so are we. It's a corporate Christ. We make up a corporate Christ. It's not just an individual thing. Now, yes, individually on one level, I am and you is. But you know what? We make up the corporate Christ right. as a whole, as a total body. Yeah, that's right. You see, so you can't build a house when you're in turmoil. You can't. You can only build it when you're at peace. It's his bed. That's right. It's a bed of peace. Then he goes on to state, <clears throat> three score valiant men are about it of the valiant of Israel. Now, score means 20. So three score is three times 20, which is 60. And six is the accomplishment of the lower, six days of creation. Scripture says six days you must work, and then you enter into rest. So what is the sixth day but the preparation for the seventh? Mm -hmm. So what is the six here, three score valiant men? What is the six? Six plus zero is six. So what is the six? The six is my preparation time. Mm -hmm. The six is my meditation, which does what? Brings me into the seventh of rest. Okay. You see? Mm -hmm. Six days you can work. And then you work no more. Then you enter into rest. Now, John 19, 14 says, and it was the preparation of the Passover at about the sixth hour. So six is the preparation that makes you ready for the seventh, the Sabbath. And we can look at that, you know, uh, in different ways. We can look at that in our bodies as the energy flows up to the sixth and the seventh and opens the right hemisphere and causes the oil to flow and we experience the land of milk and honey. But then also in Matthew 27, 45, it says, Now from the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land unto the ninth. What is that talking about? Unto the ninth. Let me read it again. Now from the sixth hour there was darkness, this is when he was on the cross, all over the land unto the ninth. So the allegorical, listen, allegorically from the number six, six is the preparation that brings you to the ninth, which is consciousness. Nine is the number of consciousness. Remember when uh, Jesus came up on the disciples and caught a thing all stinking night? And he said, cast your nets to the right side. They caught 153. One plus five plus three is nine, which is consciousness. That wasn't about catching fish or a ship. The allegorical reality of that was raise your consciousness. Nine is the number of consciousness. If you cast to the right side, you'll raise your consciousness. Without casting to the right side, you don't raise your consciousness. And as it states here in Matthew 27, 45, there's darkness until you come to the higher consciousness wow. in Matthew 27 and verse 45. So, wow. back in Song of Solomon 3, 
And verse 7, 60 valiant men guardeth the bed. That's what this is talking about. See? Three score valiant men are about it. About what? About the bed. See? Of the valiant of Israel. So 60 valiant men guarded the bed. Or meditation, listen, guards your, guard, guards your peace. And notice where it says valiant of Israel. We broke down the word Israel. What is it allegorically? IS is the feminine principle. RA is the masculine principle. EL is the power of Almighty God. So what does he say? Do you want to guard? See, the way your meditation is going to be guarded, the way the bed is going to be guarded and protected is going to be through your meditation and your realization of the masculine and the feminine principle. All that goes together. Now, verse 8 then goes on to say, they all hold swords, being expert in war. Every man had the sword in his thigh because of fear of the night. Now, I'm not going to go, but we could go to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17, that talks about the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And let me just declare to you, it's not the Bible. <laughs> the Bible is about God. Yes, we need the Bible. But the sword of the Spirit is that which is quickened and revealed, that brings inner direction, that brings inner understanding. It's the quickened word. The word of God means the inner spirit. The scripture says that his name or his way is the word of God. So this is the word that is revealed. They all had swords. They all had this quickened word. And notice where it hung. It hung upon their thigh. Now, the thigh speaks of reproduction. In other words, the inner spiritual understanding will cause the reproduction of peace, with, which is associated, because they were around Solomon's bed, which is associated with Solomon's bed. The inner understanding, the quickened word, will cause peace that is associated and rest that is associated with Solomon's bed and what we experience as the two become one experientially. So they have the swords on their thighs, meaning that the divine understanding controlled the lower thoughts. The thighs can also point to the lower thoughts. Now in the Old Testament, when they would swear to something, and I shared this with you before, uh, they would share something in the Old Testament, and, and, and men would swear. Today we put our hand on our heart when we swear, right? If we swear at all. Back then they would put their hand on the thigh near the testicle. And that's why women couldn't talk. They didn't have any of that stuff. <laughs> and so, and so this, is, this is another word for thigh here, is to testify. It's a testimony. So and that you, you could go into a whole lot of teaching on that as well. But I believe the reason the sword, the quickened word, was on the thigh is because all the thigh represents the lower thoughts, the lower part of the body, plus reproduction, but represents the lower part of the body. And so listen, the sword of the word, the sword of the spirit, the quickened word, swallows up all of the lower thoughts, the thigh thoughts, if you will. And then you see the thigh can reproduce, speaking of repro reproduction, can, can reproduce. So the swords worn in the thighs symbolize the word subduing the desires of the lower flesh. For your desire to try to do this on your own and chart your own course doesn't work. Doesn't work. The external, she couldn't find him while she looked in the broad way. 
So we can't look in a broad way. We can't chart our own course. We can't make this happen. All we can do is just simply submit them to the Christ mind, view through the single eye, involve ourselves in spontaneous and purposeful meditation. Now, in verse 9, I'm going to quit here, and I'm going to read trans, uh, my uh, paraphrase of this. But in verse 9, I'm just going to say this, and I'm going to read it. The king in us, well, let, let me read it. Where am I at? Uh, yes, uh, verse 9. King Solomon made himself a chariot of the wood of Lebanon. So in other words, the king in us as us made a chariot or caused you to become a viable, visible vehicle of his presence. That's the chariot. You can go back and you can study in Ezekiel chapter 1. It talks about, and we've done teaching on this years ago. We talked about in Ezekiel chapter 1, the viable, visible vehicle because our body is a vehicle of expression. And so once this takes place, he has a chariot to ride in, and we're the chariot. Because we're the viable, we are the visible, manifested visibly, we are the viable, the visible vehicle of his presence. Amen. Now, let me give you just my paraphrase to just help break this down a little bit. I went through this this morning, and I thought, I'm just going to paraphrase verses 1 through, what did I go through, to verse, verse 9. So let me give you my paraphrase on that. All that we've studied so far tonight, in a nutshell. Someone says, why did you do that at the beginning? It's a lot easier. <laughs> <laughs> well, here it is now. You have to wait for the best for last, right? That's right. So verse 1. In meditation on my bed at night, I desired to experience the eye of who I am, but I couldn't seem to find him. All this is happening within now. Verse 2, so I raised my consciousness a bit higher and I realized that he could never be experienced in the broad ways of external religion. Verse 3, then I realized that I must turn within to my inner watchman and ask myself and express my desire to myself to find him. Verse 4, it was then that I realized that when I bypassed my lower thoughts that I found him in myself as myself and I held on to him and would not let him go. I'm going to read that again. It was then when I asked myself and expressed my desire to myself to find him, it was then that I realized that when I bypassed my lower thoughts that I found him in myself, as myself, and I held on to him and would not let him go. I brought him into the place of my lower emotions, the mother's house, my lower emotions, and made them one with spirit, and then also, I brought him into my conception chamber of awareness. There I began to birth him from the invisible realm within me to the visible realm without, as I had been charged to do. Then I asked myself, who is this? Who is this that has come out of my meditation, blowing smoke, blinding out my own lower ways of thinking, including all of my thoughts, my emotions, my desires, and feelings, thereby causing everything about my life to be what it has always been. I lay down in Solomon's bed of peace, which was prepared, surrounded, and protected roundabout about my peaceful meditation. And then the quickened word of understanding, which swallowed up all of my lower thoughts, emotions, and desires of my emotions, caused me to reproduce and bear the image of Christ. For therein, I was manifested as his viable, visible vehicle, which carried his manifest presence. Amen. 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 Father, we thank you. Yes. 
Thank you for those that are watching tonight, those that are here in our presence. Thank you for your word, for your quickened word, for your love, for your grace, and how you're revealing to us in such a wonderful way. Yeah. From the inside to the outside, you're being revealed. Yeah. You're being shown. You're being manifested for all of the world to see. Thank you, Father, for our spirit that is quickening, making these realities so alive within us that we can't help but want to experience them and consummate the marriage that we've always had in you. We bless you. We honor you tonight. In the name of the Lord.